Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. I'm Ryan. The DC Extended Universe winds down with its latest installment, The Flash. Nobody expects anything from this one, but did it deliver? Find out on this episode. Full spoilers ahead. From our long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. What were your expectations for this one going in? I have to assume low, like most people. Oh, they were low. They were pretty low, just because of, you know, um, all the controversies with Ezra Miller, which we both don't agree with, with who that person is, and what what they've done. But um, besides that, I was just kind of, even from the trailers, I was just kind of like, okay, this kind of looks like not a ripoff of No Way Home, but their own version of No Way Home in terms of the multiverse thing. And I was really nervous because it felt like they gave away so much in the trailers, but just the whole plot and all the twists. And I just went to it with low expectations because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like the betrayal of the Flash in the in Josh Whedon's Justice League. I thought he was okay in Zack Snyder's Justice League, so I wasn't too excited about it. Really, the only I and I realized this coming out of the movie, I was like, huh. I only bought a ticket just to see who the next. Batman or Superman was. And I got one of those answers. So, I mean, you never know. <laughs> My expectations were actually not high, but they, they were pretty moderate, actually, surprisingly. Because I was excited when they announced this movie many years ago. My excitement was tempered somewhat when they announced the movie was going to be called Flashpoint, which and it was supposed to come out in 2018. A lot's changed since then, obviously. But hearing the movie was called Flashpoint, I was immediately having my back up a little bit because that's a pretty pivotal story in Barry Allen's life in the comic books. It's one of the seminal Flash stories in his 80-year history. And it's a huge story. So to adapt that for The Flash's first movie seemed a little bit of a gargantuan task. But they sold me a little bit more when they announced Michael Keaton was going to be in it. Of course, I wanted to see Michael Keaton back. I didn't, honestly, I didn't grow up with Michael Keaton's Batman like a lot of people, but I've known his version and appreciated it for a very long time. So, of course, I wasn't going to miss up the chance to see, pass up the chance to see him again. Like you, I'm a little bit more on the fence about Ezra Miller's portrayal of Barry Allen. I enjoyed. I enjoyed their take early on, and then I thought about it some more, and I'm like, well, it's it's a little bit grating, really. I enjoyed it while I was in theaters, but afterwards, I I stopped liking it more and more. But then Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, and I appreciated Ezra Miller's performance even more there. I thought Barry Allen was presented better, and I so I had hope for this version. But then all those allegations about Ezra Miller came out and I I try not to let it impact my view of this film because what Ezra Miller did in their personal life and it shouldn't have any bearing on the art. And even if it did, Ezra Miller is just one person on a crew of hundreds of people. So it feels unfair to boycott or judge the entire Flash production just because it stars a jackass. Mm hmm. I just, I have a problem with undermining the work of so many talented creators just because the face of your movie happened to be a piece of work, to put it mildly. But anyway, I was, so I was 
kind of excited for this. My expectations weren't through the roof, but let's talk about uh, how it... Oh yeah, the other problem with it going in was that they announced a long time ago that this was going to be one of the final installments of the DC Extended Universe, like I said, before James Gunn does his reboot. So this is in this weird phase of DC movies coming out right now where they don't really matter, or we don't know if they really matter. So it nearly shot itself in the foot before it even came out. Like, well, maybe this will be a decent Flash movie, but what do we care? Is Ezra Miller going to be recast or the rest of the Justice League? And nobody's really that excited for it in the first place, so I don't expect it to do that well, But which is a shame. But yeah, it's just kind of a weird period for the DC, the old DC universe as it stood. But let's get into the film now and talk about whether this was a good, I don't want to say send off for it, because there are still a couple more in the works, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom and DC's Blue Beetle. But for me, this feels like the culmination of it, because I don't think you're going to yeah. get, well, let's just get into it. I don't think you're going to get the rest of the Justice League in, in Aquaman or Blue Beetle. In this movie, Probably you got not. in this movie you got Jason Momoa's Aquaman, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Ben Affleck's Batman, all mm-hmm. back alongside the Flash. This felt like the last real installment of Zack Snyder's Justice League, in a way. Mm-hmm. Just the last culmination of that old world as it stood before this movie. I mean, I think what he did at the end of this movie is going to change things going forward, at least that was the intention, or they'll just rewrite it out of canon altogether. Like, it didn't matter. Probably. But, well, you know, let's, let's get into that beginning, because I, I enjoyed the way that Zack Snyder's Justice League were incorporated into this world. It made, just watching this as a standalone superhero movie, I think it made the world feel really organic, that the Justice League just pops up for random cameos here and there. It didn't feel gratuitous. It felt like, oh yeah, the Justice League probably would be at these situations. I like that they're his only friends, really. He, they're the only ones he would talk to. And he just goes to help out Batman and Gotham once in a while. Wonder Woman shows up. He goes drinking at the bars with Aquaman. They're just the people he hangs out with. They're kind of a, not a full-on supporting cast. But I just, I, I think it's, the Avengers movies did this just a little bit but they always felt like they needed more time with their money characters. The closest thing I can think of in the Avengers was when Falcon showed up in Ant-Man. That was a fun extended cameo, but I just right. like I just like the way that yes, other superheroes would show up in this world to help the main character or talk to them once in a while, help them through emotional moments like Bruce Wayne did with Barry Allen in this. It just it just makes the world feel alive and stops that feeling like most superhero movies get of where are the rest of their teammates during all these events, Mm -hmm. which has been a common complaint with these superhero extended universes ever since, well, pretty much ever since the first Avengers movie came out in a post Avengers world, where did the rest of the Avengers not show up in all the solo movies? Right. So this is one of the few superhero movies. I never felt that complaint, but uh, what did you think about, the Justice League's incorporation. I thought they were really good. I was secretly hoping for um, Henry Cavill to show up a bit. Yeah. Just because 
this is probably your last chance to have him here. You know, you have the other, if like, I even thought about it, if the last, um, you know, members of the Justice League in this universe are going to show up here for the final time, it would have been great to see all of them. Even, um, even Cyborg for a bit, but he has his own problem with DC and how he was treated and he was very poorly treated by, um, <coughs> the last movie. Jeff Johns. Yeah. Josh Whedon. By all of them. Josh Whedon, yeah, by all of them. So I can understand why he wouldn't want to show up. But for the ones that did show up, it's really funny. Because there was obviously a lot of cheer moments that could have happened in this film. And it didn't happen in my theater except twice. And it happened at the weirdest time. It was always cameos and it wasn't like crowd-pleasing moments. And I'll get into those later. But there was one time I really wanted to cheer when you see... Wonder Woman's lasso come down and grab Bruce's wrist. And you hear and, a theme song, the theme of course. It's like, whenever that theme kicks in, I just always want to, like, scream my head off because it's probably one of the best themes in all of superhero movies. I'll stand by that. Yeah. It's just such a badass theme. And I was shocked that she actually showed up. I I thought she'd only have, like, a cameo in Shazam. I thought that would be it for move her. on. Yeah. And then her showing up was an actual surprise and a good one. And um, seeing Ben Affleck be Batman for the last time was really cool. I kind of liked his new suit where it's kind of calls back to the olden uh, Batman because he's, it's got like a, I keep hitting my mic. It's got like the tint of blue in his cowl, but not majorly blue. Yeah, I did um, like I kind of like tint. how it's kind of like how he's got like some armor on him. I think that's indicating that he's old. He's getting older, so he needs help yeah. with, uh, with some movement ability. That's what I took from it. But what I thought was really funny was when it's just Barry and Bruce talking about time travel, Ben Affleck is so skinny in that scene. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's crazy how just kind of, and I'm going to say it, how poorly planned out the DC movies have been because you can tell just because of how, and this is no... This is not me shitting on Ben Affleck. It's just how how time goes and you fluctuate through life. But you can just see in Batman v Superman, he's in great shape. And Josh Whedon's Justice League, you can tell he's put on a few like a few pounds because you know he was in shape during Zack Snyder stuff. But then when he took a break, he put on a few weight and he was going through some stuff. And the reshoots, yeah. you can tell. And here, obviously, they were like, hey, can you come in for a scene? He's like, well, I'm not in shape. It's like, well, it's okay. We'll just, you'll just be Bruce Wayne. And he's just majorly skinny. And he looks like unwell in some of the shots. It didn't like, he looks too skinny, which is weird because I saw him, I saw him in air and he looked fine. So I don't know how much longer, like when that was filmed. But to me, it was just like, because you saw him kind of buff in the cowl. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was, again, there's CGI everywhere, so it could have been like they took the zoom in and enhance on him, but he looked really skinny as Bruce, but I thought he did, I thought he did pretty well as Bruce, like, he wasn't over-badgering to Barry, he's just like, don't be an idiot, alright? Just don't mess with fucking time travel. I really, and I don't want to get into this quite, And the DCU will, will love putting the most ridiculous Mercedes vehicle in all of their movies. Like, I guess Bruce Wayne is sponsored by Mercedes or whatever it was, Volkswagen. It's just the most ridiculous billionaire car that you can possibly think of. I don't want to get too far into this 
right away, or maybe we will. But uh, seeing Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, I, I always loved his Bruce Wayne more in Batman v Superman and Zack Snyder's Justice League than anything else he's been in. And this one kind of felt like his other performances to me, maybe a tad phoned in. He wasn't at his peak here. And I think what makes it all the worse is that Michael Keaton's Batman is a scene stealer. Michael mm-hmm. Keaton comes back in full force and proves why he's been a beloved Batman icon for the last 30 years. And you were talking about Ben Affleck's suit. Once again, cool suit. I like the blue tint. But Michael Keaton's suit is one of my favorite bat suits in all of cinema oh, yeah. right now. And he I, looks one so thing good. I realized when I looked at bat- Michael Keaton's suit compared to Ben Affleck's, Batman suits freaking need the long ears. It's a must. Mm-hmm. I do not like the short-eared cowl. On the page, on the screen, give me long-eared Batman. It's more intimidating. It's more badass. Think about that one scene where you just see Michael Keaton's Batman show up for the first time and you just see the back of his cowl with the long ears just in in silhouette. It's very good. That's a way more intimidating and iconic Mm -hmm. visage than Ben Affleck's if you did the same thing. Yeah. Well, there also were some parts that made me question if this was like the main DCEU or the cinematic universe because uh. Ben Affleck's suit was vastly different, but also he doesn't have the voice changer. He just completely, he just puts on a deeper voice. So part of me was kind of like, are they just saying that he's given up on the voice changer or are we not just remembering continuity here? <laughs> I, I hope it's not the latter, but <laughs> it was really weird. And yeah, I hear what you're saying. I feel like the Ben Affleck scene, like the only scene that he's in out of the cowl, I don't want to say it was phoned in. But I think it was just like, hey, we need you for a day. Here's the script. When like is it? He's Tomorrow. Fine. Yeah, Like, he's fine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's good. If this is the last time we see him as Bruce Wayne, it's a good send-off. I'm fine with that. But then you put him in the mm-hmm. same movie as Michael Keaton, who's clearly really trying. And it just... Yeah. Walking out of this theater, I didn't really remember Ben Affleck's role in it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, he was in it, and he did a good job. And, oh, wait, there were multiple Batman in this movie? That's weird. But you come out remembering Michael Keaton. Though I will say one interesting thing about Batman in this movie that I appreciated is that for the first time since, I think, since Adam West, you see Batman fighting crime in broad daylight. Yeah. Just multiple times, even as like with Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. Like, oh, good. They're finally doing something different with Batman. Mm -hmm. He gets really awesome action scenes. And you get to see it. We've seen Batman yeah. obscured by Shadow enough. I, and it also helps me make it feel like it's a team-up movie because the Flash mm-hmm. does most of his crime fighting in broad daylight, so you're bringing Batman into the Flash's world. This isn't Flash going into dark and gritty Gotham as we know it. This is the Flash's movie, and this, this is how he's seeing Gotham in the, in the daylight. It's not Gotham as Batman sees it or as we usually would experience it. It's just... The differences are what make a good universe, I think. We know how Gotham usually is in a Batman story. We know how Batman is usually presented, but it's not a Batman story. So you can do something different with him. And that's that's cool. I want more different versions of these characters. If you presented Batman the same way every time, that gets boring. It has gotten boring, in a way. So I just like them shaking it up a bit. 
Yeah, I thought it was fine. It didn't feel the uh when I was, I was kind of worried it would feel like phoned in with all the cameos, but it didn't feel phoned in at all. It just felt natural, which is felt organic. Which I think. Good. However, <laughs> I was too distracted when they were doing like a 10 minute slowdown time effect of the flash rescuing babies from like a falling building. And I don't know what this movie is going for in terms of tone because it come, it's like, okay, you're going to have all these babies follow this building. I'm not saying it has to be super serious. But they take this very strange CGI comedic tone with this, and then the rest of the movie is one completely different tone. It gets progressively darker and darker as you move on. Yeah. So it's just like it feels unnatural. And then when you put like a CGI baby into a microwave, I immediately went, uh oh. That was my <laughs> thought process. Cause and then even when they, oh, at the end, yes, he saves all the babies. Like, wonderful. I'm sure you would see that in a comic book. I wasn't totally mad with it, but I was just like, the amount of CGI made me, not that I don't mind, I don't mind CGI at all, but when it looked like that uncanny valley with, when you yes. cut from shots from real life babies to ones that are clearly a 3D model. Yeah. I just, I was like, oh God, especially when they open the microwave and you see the CGI baby. And I was like, oh, God, because he's right next to real life babies. And the only and I will defend that shot because legally you can't put a baby in a microwave. <laughs> so even an unplugged I'll one, defend that shot. You can't do it in real life. So even unplugged because there's no like air to escape in, you know, it right. just be right. It would it would be a Safety child um, abuse, endangerment, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Some lines you can't cross for a film. Yeah, unless you're. Um, Unless you're directing The Shining. Anyway. <laughs> I really like the setup for that scene, though, where the building's crumbling and he's talking to Alfred and Bruce is just mm-hmm. putting him on cleanup duty, which I enjoy. The fastest guy out there nobody really takes seriously. He's still just doing odd jobs for the Justice League. But And I also love how the whole beginning set up how tense he was about not getting any food to eat, how his stamina yeah. bar was on critical if we're going for video game logic he needed to pick me up here and i love how even when the building's crumbling you think he's going for the babies but he jumps right past them to the vending machine mm-hmm. that like, was a funny gag that got a chuckle out of me just because of how well they set up in that first 10 minutes how hungry he was the whole time and then he just goes mm-hmm. right past the falling babies because he can afford it right that i mean a part of me was like because my version of god damn it i keep bumping this microphone so sorry audio listeners my version of The Flash is not from the show, because I haven't watched the show, but is from the cartoon Justice League slash Injustice universe, like that Flash, where... Well, technically, that's two different Flashes, but yeah. Right, like those two, two different guys, but... Uh, and I know in the, in the Justice League show, he's technically Wally West, correct? Yes. Like that in the, guy? In Injustice, he's Barry Allen, yeah. I think. In the, I know right. in the show, yeah. he's Wally West, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's the flash. So I part grew of me is just too. kind of. So part of me is just kind of like, okay, that guy knows what he's doing. He's been doing it a while, and I come to this movie and I'm like, so Barry's he's not fully expertise, but he knows his power very well. He should know he needs to fucking eat like twenty four seven. Like a part of me is like that, but it is really good 
in turn so as a character moment i didn't agree with it just because of who he is in the comic books but i had to take that out of my mind thinking okay he's probably got other things on his mind right now and it's it's also just like a clever way to add stakes to the scene as well no i will um, defend you the joke a little bit i'm not i wasn't totally mad with it but i was just kind of like it made me not like this version of barry allen a bit more i'm gonna defend it and say that he was trying the entire time he went to the store with a plan in mind and then the plan got derailed when that lady that knew his usual order wasn't there so he had to wait way longer on his regular sandwich and then you don't got nothing in the fridge though (laughs) well he's like what an intern (laughs) at a crime scene lab it doesn't seem like he had a great job a great apartment and if for a guy with that kind of apartment for a guy with that metabolism who's got to eat all the time all his money probably goes to food who says he pays for it (laughs) well his dad's in jail well i guess his best friend is bruce wayne yeah so maybe i mean he brought martha's house Mm -hmm. back for clark and martha so that's true maybe well technically he didn't bring back the house he just bought the bank (laughs) okay oh well yeah he did that that's even worse how do you buy a bank? <laughs> Billions of dollars. <laughs> My God. But you got to keep in mind, American banks aren't like our banks where there's only no. six banks that anyone uses. Yeah. They have a. Yeah. In America, you can, you can even you can just buy branch from branch. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's not that far out of left field, I think, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This version of Barry Allen, though, let's talk about the adaptation a little bit. There are a lot of things I like about this version of Barry and a lot of things that don't quite ring true to me, like you're saying. I think on paper, this feels a lot like Barry Allen. I watch the movie and I think, okay, well, his dad's in prison. His sympathy for that is is good. His single-minded obsession about solving, proving his father didn't kill his mother puts a large hamper on his life. People think he's crazy. To believe that, even though all evidence points to Henry's guilt, that felt legitimate in terms of my knowledge of Barry Allen. He's always late, even as the Flash, even though he's got super speed. That's a classic element of Barry Allen. Any adaptation should mm-hmm. always do that. That's one thing everyone knows about Barry. He's always late. It's a great irony of the character. He he's more science devoted. The main difference, I think, between Wally West and Barry Allen as the Flash is that Barry is more science-focused and tries to examine his powers from a scientific perspective, where Wally is more spiritual about it. And he's more in tune with the speed force as an entity, whereas Barry is more psychologically into it. So that felt like Barry Allen to me, his scientific analysis of everything. He knows how his powers work on a on a physical level he Mm -hmm. he tries to examine himself he's very driven by the facts and tries to logic his way out of a lot of problems when he's dealing with his younger self who didn't have that more scientific backing it really frustrates him because this guy is just going more on instinct and he's trying to logic out the facts a lot more he's more decisive the more it went the more it felt like barry allen to me he became more decisive the Big problem I have with this version of Barry Allen is that Ezra Miller portrays Barry Allen as this as neurotic. An <laughs> I don't know if I'd call 
him an incel, but he's just this neurotic, socially awkward person who doesn't play very well with others, doesn't have any friends, and is just kind of off-putting and weird. Barry Allen, I know, isn't like that. He's yeah. He's kind of a screw-up, but he's more of a screw-up in a Peter Parker kind of way, where he lets a lot mm. of people down all the time, but he's not... He's not socially inept. He does have friends. He does Mm -hmm. try to live a normal life. His obsession about his father does make him a bit of an outcast with his fellow police officers, if only because, once again, his single-minded devotion just makes him look like he's living in a fantasy world and not following the evidence like a good crime scene investigator that he is. It's like, well, how do you examine crimes for a living but don't see that your dad clearly killed your mother you're a little crazy barry we'll let you have it though because it's a childhood trauma but besides that he's, he can talk to people normally so it's just this it's just this weird offbeat energy ezra miller gives barry allen which i don't mind just as a movie i, I didn't mind this version of barry just as i'm watching it he had good development in the story Especially like when they pair him with his younger, even more annoying self, and he sort of realizes more of his character flaws. It's just me coming in with my preconceived notions of who Barry Allen is. This doesn't really fit that. I didn't mind who I saw, but it didn't feel like Barry Allen. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's my main problem with it is I feel like that at his core is who Barry Allen is. He is like a people person. I mean, he is the... Like the jokester, he is the jokester, but he's not like joking because he's got nothing else to say or doesn't know what to say. And a part of me is just like, I'm, I'm, I'm missing that. And I saw that more with his younger self because when they go, when he goes to the past and messes up, he, that younger version of him has a better life. So he's got more, he, I mean, he's living with the people who initially don't like him in the original timeline, which True. funny enough, one of his roommates who Albert, the guy with the glasses, was a Viner. He got really popular on Vine back in the day. He had a YouTube. And seeing him in this movie, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So, anyway, Vine stars, you get a chance. And he was decent. But that's a good point you make there. The younger Barry, it's, Barry Allen is somewhere in between these two people. He has the more social energy not he's not a motor mouth like spider-man that's more of a wally west thing just the constant Mm -hmm. jokiness but younger barry who's less annoying feels more like barry allen yeah older but he's like he's got the energy of younger barry allen but the discipline and logical mindedness of older barry allen Mm -hmm. it's like the character is in there it just split between two different guys. They each have elements of him, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool, but also a little annoying. But at least it's in there, I guess. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the two versions of Barry Allen, I think the thing I love about this movie the most is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels pretty unique to me, this kind of sci-fi concept that it's going for of being both a regular adventure for the Flash and an origin story at the same time. They kind of got their cake and ate it too that way, because older Barry Allen going back in time to mentor his younger self, we get to see his entire origin story play out with the chemicals and the lightning. We see his mom get killed too, and how that's a whole 
motivation for him going forward. We see him as a crime scene investigator. We see him with Iris West as well, who's his main romantic partner in mm-hmm. most Flash media. We see him and his father's case and everything. So we see the origin story play out. And we see his later, more experienced self as well with the Justice League and everything. We're, we're getting a pretty wide-sweeping portrait of The Flash's life with this movie, which through time travel shenanigans mostly. But I really like how much they, were, they packed into this movie pretty organically. Because it would have felt pretty weird if they just did a straight-up origin story that got to him his point before the Justice League movie happened. Mm-hmm. Or if they just did something post-Justice League, which I also wouldn't have minded, but it would have left new viewers a little bit confused as to who this guy is and where he came from. So they, I, I loved how they managed to balance both the origin story and the crazy multiverse adventure that's like, oh, well, Barry's experienced weird things before. This is just a new thing for him, but it's also brand new at the same time for other Barry, who's never had right. any Flash stuff before. So I just thought that that felt kind of original to me. The future, more experienced version of yourself is your mentor for your younger self. And we get to see the future, your future and your past. Because usually in these things, it's like Bruce Wayne says at the start, the time travel paradox is you're not supposed to meet your younger self. So most time travel mm-hmm. things I've ever seen, everyone actively avoids their younger selves. So you, I rarely have seen, I watch a lot of sci-fi, but I don't think I've seen the scenario play out this way. So that's why it's, and I think it was handled pretty well for the most part. It was handled well, but I feel like a part of me also was like, can we get to the plot? <laughs> like, can we get back to Barry either trying to, because it took, I honestly think, till the final act for Barry to be like, oh, I have to fix the timeline. I Throughout this entire time, he was just kind of like, hmm, I'm going to kind of accept that I changed the entire universe. And, oh, and I think... Also, just to kind of defend a little bit, he does get distracted by Zod showing up, which what a crazy reveal. Why the fuck did they reveal that in the fucking trailer? That would have yeah, been that insane. That would have been insane. They gave away so much in the trailer. Um, ju- just to have that. And so a part of me is just kind of like, what's what's like the main plot here? It's kind of it's kind of a No Way Home situation, but No Way Home's plot was brought up faster. <laughs> Yeah, where uh, in this one, it it really does take its time. And I'm just going to say it. I hate how Barry Allen runs. I hate it. I hate I've hated not- it since Justice League. I hated it. I even hate it how it looks in the TV show. It just looks weird live action. And that joke where he runs around without that his powers so, in the museum, so whatever, really funny. But it highlights how stupid his run is because it at regular speed looks ridiculous. Like, they do this weird, like, <laughs> flap yeah. of the arms where he's throwing lightning or whatever. And it's just, I've, I've always hated it, but that's just a personal thing. It doesn't look terrible. This new suit is almost as bad of a CGI as Green Lantern. I like the makeup suit, though. The mix between Batman's suit, Michael Keaton's Batman suit, and, like, a makeshift Flash one. That's going to be a famous, like, Comic-Con suit. Just watch that. Yeah, you're pretty right on that one, I think. I did yeah. like his other suit. I mean, it looked bad in, in motion because if the CGI was weak, but I think it's a good suit just when he's wearing it. It's not like Tom Holland's Spider-Man, if you keep bringing up No Way Home, where I can never tell what CGI. 
Like when Ezra mm-hmm. Miller's standing there in the suit, I can tell it's a real suit for most of the movie. When Tom Which Holland's one? in his, the new one, the future one, the classic okay. Flash suit. I feel it's, like his helmet was very CGI. Like him uh, with the helmet on. I felt maybe. like it was, had a very huge CGI effect around it. It's weird though. You're right about you're right about the Tom Holland thing though, because I hate that scene. when he has when he has the mask off, he I think it's it is real. But yeah, whenever he has fine. it on, they CGI it. and they're obsessed with, and they uh, brought this up in a video. I think it's pretty much it. Where the neckline. they're obsessed in the Tom Holland thing of cutting off the neck bunch. I don't know why they want it to look clean. They want it to look skin tight. Where you can see it in No Way Home with spoilers for the two people who ever watched it when Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire sitting right there. They have the neck bunch and it looks phenomenal. I don't know why they're obsessed with erasing that from Tom Holland's. I think I brought that up in a past podcast, but yeah, I know it's weird about it before the CGI in this movie fluctuates between really noticeable to uncanny Valley to pretty freaking good because I think they were focusing more on their time with the Michael Keaton stuff and the final battle stuff, which Mm I get, I understand it, but it's just like, just scrap a scene or two, <laughs> like, to, yeah. just to have your overall quality be decent. Yeah. Um, I did like how when he's in the Speed Force and he's look his version of looking time going backwards or forwards, that's a very neat idea. I like it. Very uncanny valley to me. You there. couldn't have put your actors on a green screen and just made it look like. But also, I didn't mind the Speed Force CGI being Uncanny Valley because it mm-hmm. is this weird ethereal plane, which, yeah. if we're looking from the Flash's perspective, is probably kind of Uncanny Valley to him, too. So the Speed Force is the one place I didn't mind it looking weird. Other no, places, though, that was a little bit mm-hmm. off-putting. I could tell sometimes how, because there were some scenes where it was both Ezra in the scene, like, for real. But then yeah. there were sometimes you could tell one of them was a CG double. And I was like, oh, I thought the blending <laughs> was pretty good for the most part. It was good. Yeah. Good for the most part. I didn't really even think about it. like at first I walked in going, oh, yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. look for the difference. And then even from the my first eyes scene, were wired, they... though, ever since those CG babies, I was just like <laughs> looking for the mistakes. Right. Right. I went in looking for mistakes and just kind of went with it, which is mm-hmm. usually what I end up doing. But uh, going back to the plot before, because you were saying, I wonder what the plot even is to this thing. To me, this movie is about obsessiveness, really, which is, well, something I relate to a lot. But it's about Barry, in the beginning, his drive to exonerate his father and prove his innocence and even or get his mom back or his family back. He's obsessing about the life that he never had. And even and Bruce in the beginning was like, well, you know, I've spent my entire life trying to atone for the death of my parents. And he probably looks at someone like Bruce, who's a good mentor to him. But, you know, let's be honest, he's not. He's a little bit weird. (laughs) He's a depressed guy who dresses up like a bat in the middle of the night and beats up on criminals. And Barry probably sees Bruce and probably doesn't want to become that guy. Warring. Mm being obsessive about the death of his parents for his entire life. So he says, you know what? I got the power to change this, so let's do this. So in his obsession, he goes back into the past, changes his life, 
And then he gets pushed out of the speed force by that black flash. So then he ends up meeting his younger self and his mother again. And then he realizes that, you know, his, his life, he's, he's annoying. He's definitely become a more annoying person. But you know what? This is a better life on the whole. His parents are together and they love him still. And he did okay for himself, even despite everything. So he doesn't want to change things bad. The world is okay as it is. But then he realizes things start unraveling. Zod's attacking the world, but none of the Justice League are around because he wrote them out of history. And then he starts thinking. So then the, the wheels in his brain start turning and he realizes that as happy as his life would be, his obsessiveness about preserving his own family kind of screwed over the world. It's mm-hmm. the it's the hero in him who has to sacrifice his happiness in life so that the rest of the world can get their Justice League, get their be saved from Darkseid or Zod or whoever should choose to threaten it. And that's what I like about this Barry versus the younger Barry, because that younger Barry never had his trial by fire. He had a super easy life. So, but because older Barry had lost his father to, uh, to the police and went to jail, he became a crime scene investigator. He devoted his life to the pursuit of justice and helping the wronged. Mm-hmm. So this Barry has a moral code that the younger one could never hope to have. Because the younger one never had any trials like that. So he was moral in a sense. But that's why when he lost Supergirl, who he had a crush on, he keeps going back in time obsessively trying to fix it because he's got that obsessiveness without the responsibility that older Barry learned. So he sees this in his younger self. And then, well, by the time he, to me, that's, that's a good story about the cost of obsessiveness and having the wisdom to know when to drop it and just let it go. Right. To me, that's the story, and I think it was done pretty well on the whole. You have all the elements of a good character arc there, and I think they set him up well enough at the beginning that how crappy his life is that you can understand why he'd want to go back and change everything. It's not like he's leading an idyllic life. He's kind of the Justice League's... (laughs) He's the janitor of the Justice League. I think he joked at one point. He's got no friends. He's... Not really respected at work. Nothing's his dad's probably gonna get uh re um his bail his hearing. Appeal's gonna, gonna not his gonna appeal. go well, yeah. Nothing's going well for him, so let's I go wonder back why and they recasted it. the dad. I wonder why I they think, did that. I think the original guy just didn't want to come back or he had a scheduling conflict or something. <laughs> oh man. Maybe I he's filming know. Watchmen. Maybe. That's a joke from like 2006 because <laughs> he's Dr. Manhattan anyway. Oh, right, right. But the recast is perfect. There's like, there's, they look so similar, you but you know, they're two. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just my rundown of the story. Maybe, maybe people won't see it the way I saw it, but I think it's a solid story. Barry Allen's got a good character arc by the end of it. I think it wrapped up nicely. It hit all the right emotional beats it needed to. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes is, some of my favorite scenes are when he confronts his old self, basically about what a spoiled, privileged brat young Barry is. Like, well, you had a mom. You you throw dartboards at the monkey bear oh, because cave, you have, yeah. because you that was a good scene. Yeah, because you you can because you get all this monkey stuff. I've only ever gotten the one. You think you're so cool, but you're not. 
and and yeah. later when he's finally talking to his mother you know that always gets me in the in the flash tv show as well whenever he has conversations with his mother that's just Mm-mm. it's a good dynamic there and she's like well i know i'm a stranger but you look like you need a hug and he's crying on her shoulder it's a that's a great scene too so yeah i mean i i don't know what other critics are seeing but i think it was a solid story told through a good mm-hmm. sci-fi lens what I meant was, like, I didn't know what the plot was. Like, I knew that's what it was up to the end. I yeah. think the way I phrased it was wrong. I just think it took a while to get going. That's what I mean. Like, it took a while yeah. for it to be like, hey, this is what the movie's about. And I really don't think that, cold open that happened until, yeah, it was a pretty long cold open. Um, and then you get back to the past. It's like, oh, let's get Barry's powers. Oh, and this one, this one, Barry doesn't have it. And let's have a whole almost 20 minute comedic scene of him learning his powers, which I didn't hate because it was actually shot pretty well. I will say this for all the criticisms I have this movie. I think it's directed phenomenally. I think the action's really well done. I think the shots are really well done. It's the same director who did the it movies, which I enjoyed as well. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I thought going through this entire movie. I was like, I don't, agree with some of this stuff i think some of it's a little slow but it's directed phenomenally <laughs> it's true though. it's so it's so weird for all i'm saying it did have some weird beats to it mm-hmm. right i mean that that's yeah. the kind of i think it's got a solid story underneath but there's a lot of sci-fi fluff on top of there oh you gotta yeah. get break supergirl out of prison you gotta reteach the young flash's powers there's yeah i do think a lot of these things are important. i didn't mind the supergirl stuff because i wish she got 30 minutes she's in the movie <laughs> but yeah. I, I liked her i liked her version of supergirl except for how easy she was to get killed multiple just times just put her in the just put her time. in the fucking sunlight anyway but i think i think there's a throwaway line in man of steel back in 2013 where if they remove the codex from henry cavill superman it would kill him too I think, right. yeah, maybe. So that's, that's probably, probably why she from... stayed up dead. But she goes down after getting stabbed once, so it's it's whatever. It's different universe. Who cares? I and again, I wish this was another thing that wasn't spoiled in the trailer, where they're like, "Oh, we have to go to Russia," and immediately my head went, oh, "Red Sun Superman." That was my first uh, thought, and then my brain was like, "Ryan, you saw the trailer." I was like, "Oh, yeah." Wouldn't that have been amazing, though, if they brought back Henry Cavill as Red Sun Superman? As Red Sun? I thought they were either going to do Red Sun Superman or have a version of Henry Cavill team up with Zod. Because he was like, Mm. we found his pod out, and then I was like, did they raise him from birth? He's like, no, we just killed him. I was like, oh. I mean, I get that, because Zod would probably be pissed, but... And he's probably killed hundreds of babies, but like, fuck, there could have the potential to have Henry Cavill fight supergirl that would have been really cool and a lot and it's not even a critique on the movie it's just a lot of stuff that i wish was in it where i think it brings the movie like just the potential of it it's kind of like multiverse of madness but this one didn't disappoint me as much because i remember watching the flashpoint animated movie and thinking that was pretty good i don't know how like well adapted that is from the comics but it's pretty well adapted it's pretty well adapted okay so i was hoping for like thomas wayne batman and then they're yeah. like nope it's michael keaton so i was like okay i'll take it i was hoping for reverse flash not in it at all uh, you know what? <laughs> i was i was gonna bring up reverse flash right after 
just mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to bring it up. I respect that this movie adapted a lot of the key beats of Flashpoint. It got the key emotional arcs across, but it cut out all the unnecessary fluff and filler. Like in Flashpoint, you have an entire subplot where Aquaman and Atlantis and Wonder Woman and Themyscira are going to war. You have Lex Luthor plotting in the middle somewhere in there. You have Thomas Wayne's Batman helping him as well, which, I mean, they, they adapted pretty well in the Michael Keaton's Batman. That one pretty much stays. They basically adapted the whole saving Supergirl from a Russian prison where she's never seen the sunlight. They did that with Kal-El in the, uh, in the Flashpoint story as well. That team was pretty much ripped right from that, from what I remember. Yeah. But I do respect that they cut out that stuff and Thon. Because at the end of this movie, you do still never find out who, car- who killed Barry's mom. You just find out that the dad was innocent. Yeah, and I guess. Well, I mean, Flash fans know that it's Thawne, and they'll save him for a future project. I they hope they're do. saving them. But I just, I like that not every mystery was answered. For people who don't mm. know, I just enjoy that there were some loose ends, that they didn't want to clutter this already stuffed movie with Eobard Thawne and the reverse Flash and that entire mythology about him trying It's their to- own version of it, and I can respect it, with who's behind all the- fuck-ups and why um original barry allen is stuck in this timeline so i respect that but my one friend (laughs) who was like a flash super fan especially from the tv show was like man what they should have done is brought in reverse flash and then when original barry allen goes back to original timeline it's not ezra miller it's grant gustafson that pops out and it's like i think he's done (laughs) he's done nine years of the show and i think he's tired of it but even then i was like a cameo from Grant Gustafson would have been pretty cool because Ezra Miller showed up in the Flash TV show. So yep. why wouldn't they do a reverse of it? I'll tell you instead why. Instead, we because, get we get TV... cameos of CGI dead people. That's what we get instead. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because TV's got an inferiority complex. Getting Ezra Miller, <sighs> even though he's one of they are one of the least important stars of the Justice League movies, that was a big get for the TV series. The movies don't yeah. care about Grant Gustin in the shows. <sighs> they just they just don't. That sucks. That's why you know the show the only yeah. the only episode of the Flash I've seen is the one where <laughs> Barry Allen forgets that he's the Flash. <laughs> That's the only one I've seen and I liked it. <laughs> I was like this is really funny. Man, I don't even I don't even know. I've seen like 20 something episodes a year for 9 seasons of that. I think show. it's like season 4 or something. Okay. It's they like a one off. They all blur. Yeah. But yeah, this is, uh, I lost my train of thought. Let's go on to what you were saying about CGI dead characters. That's just, because <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm uneasy about that. And this isn't just a problem I have with the Flash. It's a problem I have with just Hollywood in general right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, the thing that got me started on that was how they Rogue handled yeah, Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. And at the time, I didn't mind it so much because it was a brand new thing and it was a little uncanny valley. I was more concerned about the effects at that time. Oh, are the effects going to look good? Oh, wow. They actually pulled that off pretty well. That's interesting. They're bringing actors back from the dead. Oh, that's a slippery slope. But this is just a one-off movie. And now they're doing Mm -hmm. it more and more. 
I also didn't mind it when, spoiler alert, for the newest Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ghostbusters, yeah. They did it for Harold Ramis. That also felt kind of appropriate. That one felt better than Rogue One because that is, again, they're bringing back an actor, but in that instance, they're more so just bringing back the character. And it wasn't just... And I feel like that's that's the kind of defense I have for this movie as well. And I'll say that, to me, the the other thing is the difference between I have for Afterlife and, and the rest of this the Flash and Rogue One and other movies like that, it nearly feels like it's more soulless. You're bringing back these dead actors to get a reaction out of me. You're just, you know, I have nostalgia attached to these faces, these people, and you just want me to say, oh, cool, that's really awesome. And I do, to an extent. But that's as far as it goes. Ghostbusters Afterlife, for example, what they did with Harold Ramis is... Ghostbuster, the movie is kind of a celebration of the Egon character in general. Mm-hmm. It's about his granddaughter. It explores, it's all about Egon's legacy and by extension, the legacy of Harold Ramis and one of his greatest works that he left us as a creator. So to have him come back in some form was thematically fitting. Even in a movie about ghosts, you bring back the ghost of Harold Ramis. It made sense for that movie and it felt respectful because it's really all about him in a way Mm -hmm. it's the whole thing was made with love it didn't feel as soulless as something like this is a like a corporate executive once again just going oh yeah bring them back that'll get a reaction and that's the extent of it once again to be clear i did react positively initially oh wow that's christopher reeve oh wow that's adam west oh wow that's george reeves Oh, wow, that's Nicolas Cage. He's not dead, but I'll take it. We finally get to see Superman live. I was so action. confused where I was like, what Superman fights a giant spider? And I was just so confused. And then I like as he was turning around, I went no fucking way. And I out loud went, it's Nicolas Cage. And then they show his face. And I was like, I can't believe they did that. The giant spider Brilliant. was brilliant. The only thing I knew about Superman lives was a concept art of him fighting a giant spider. Really? That's the only thing I've ever seen about that movie. A concept art of Nick Cage fighting the spider. Wow. And that kind of glossy blue looking suit. So I saw the suit, I saw the spider, and I knew what they were doing immediately. Brilliant. You know, I I appreciated that reference. That was a good one. Yeah. Now, before we keep going on this tangent, beside Christopher Reeves, which was shocking to see, there was only one guy who was clapping there because here's the difference between DC and Marvel fans. <laughs> I feel like DC fans want to clap, but they'll only do it when they're super excited about something. Well, yeah. Marvel fans will just clap for everything. <laughs> and I know because I'm both. Because I wanted to clap yeah. for everything. Yeah. But uh, I think it's also down to Marvel fans. A lot of the things Marvel fans have to clap about have only happened in the last 15 years. Yeah. And I guess in the case of No Way Home, you have your Andrew Garfield, you have your Toby Maguire. DC fans have a history going back to that George Reeves cameo. He was the Superman from the 19 freaking 50s. That's wild. You know, he was the Superman on the Adventures of Superman TV show from the 1950s. And he's something somebody, most of the people in the audience might not even know. You probably don't. A lot of people probably know Christopher Reeve, but you're referencing George Reeves from the 1950s, Adam West from the 60s, Christopher Reeve from the 70s and 80s. Nicholas Cage mm-hmm. from the 90s. It's kind of a... Um, or Michael... We have Michael Keaton in there as well. Or Ben Affleck. George Clooney, which we'll talk about in a, in a moment. Oh, my God. 
The only reference we didn't get was a Christian Bale one for the 2000s, but besides that, every era of DC was pretty well represented yeah. in those flashbacks there. Mm-hmm. Which, well, sorry, you were going to ask about Supergirl. I was going to, I, I was going to ask about Supergirl because I'm pretty sure from memory serves they were going to do a fifth movie and she was going to be a character in it, right? Like that's the whole thing, or she was eventually going to become because she's not in those four movies. She I just had, know she was eventually going to be a character at some point. Well, Supergirl did have her own movie in the '80s. Oh, never mind. Starring, <laughs> yeah, starring, starring Helen Slater. And it was never officially connected to the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, but it was right. made and produced by the same people. And I think there's a, okay. a poster of Christopher Reeve in the background. He didn't come to cameo in it. Huh. So it always has been thematically linked to the Christopher Reeve movies, even though they so were never officially by, side by side. Okay. crossed over. Although I did like that on the Supergirl TV show that the Supergirl who played her in the movie plays mm. Supergirl's mom on that TV show, Helen Slater. Oh. So, oh, right. Yes, I heard about that. Yeah, which was weird to me. I don't know if Helen Slater actually showed up in this movie and they just de-aged her or if they just CGI'd she's still her alive? for some reason. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> she's, not, she's not that old. She's middle-aged. I have a I feeling, think. I, think, I think from what I saw, she's CGI'd. Because if they're C- they CGI'd Nick Cage, like it. they CGI'd everybody else. Might as well CGI her or else they're going to stand out. Which and I hear like what you're saying where... With like bringing these people back from the dead is just to get a reaction out of them, but I feel like it's a lot better than what we got out of Rogue One, because it just that feels more like where is the morality here? Where but even you're bringing people back from the dead and it's not even them talking. You're just using their likeness, kind of their voices. Where here it's just kind of like here's a little bit of an homage to the DC of the past, which I took it for. It wasn't like. George George Reeve shows up and has a whole scene where he's talking to Barry or Michael Keaton, which how yeah. they never crossed over. Well, I think because Chris Reeve had a stroke and it was later on in life. Anyway, um, come to think of it, I don't know what's worse, because at least in Rogue One, those characters realistically should be there. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing them back for a function, at least this is bringing them back just to look at, which and on one hand, doesn't feel as disrespectful because they aren't actively doing anything in the story. But on the other hand, why bring them back if they're not doing anything in the story? It's like you're, you're, I don't know. It's all, in a moral, it's all in a moral gray area that I don't know how to feel about. But I'm leaning more on the side of it's creepy and uncanny valley and I don't <laughs> like it. Let the dead rest and move on. These characters have been recast. Yes, but in terms of this, yes, it it got the it got the reaction it was looking for out of me initially. This is mm. just a problem I have after the fact. Yeah, but yeah, I mean they, they did. Could it, have so done I, it way worse. They <laughs> could have made yeah. it so much worse. They did it, so I may as well enjoy it for what it is. But I gotta yeah call it out at the same time. So future mm. projects think twice. Yeah, I hear you. To me, it was more of just like I I hear what you're saying, and I kind of agree with it. But I yeah. feel like it was more of. Let's homage these characters of the past as we go on to this new phase of the DCEU. No, DC. Am I right? No. Well, DC. DCEU was what C-E-U. it was called before. <laughs> yeah. This is which, a U. Anyway. Which James Gunn again, DCU. <laughs> yeah. Which must seem, all this must seem really weird coming from me because Christopher Reeve is one Your of like, the original Superman in the movie. is my third favorite movie of all time. Christopher Reeve 
as Superman is my one of my personal idols, one of my inspirations for good morality and, you know, a real inspiration to me personally. Christopher Eve, the man, is really inspiring as well to me. And Adam West Batman is also what I grew up on as well. Like, I grew up on the ver- mm-hmm. these versions of the characters. I have the nostalgia attached to them. It's not just fun cameos for me. It's, you know, this is my childhood on screen here. And I'm still having some issues with it. So I, I don't know if that's more telling than just a more casual person seeing it. and go, Oh, that's cool. It's playing to me and I've got a problem with it. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Don't worry, Joe. I won't CGI you when we do future podcasts when we die. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you have enough audio files of me to change my voice, though. (laughs) To put into chat GPT. (laughs) Yeah. But make it work where you agree with me on everything. So it's just the most boring podcast ever. (laughs) Well, you'll try that. You'll try that for a while. I'll just agree with you and then everyone will tune off. It's like, this doesn't Should we just go? Should we just go to who? Should we just go to who? Is the new Batman right away, or should we wait a bit? Should we just do uh, it right no, now? I, I already name-dropped him. We'll just... Okay, so here I am, sitting in the theater, thinking, oh, it's not Ben Affleck's voice. It sounded All like right, who's the new? Who's the new Batman going to be? Because it's like, oh, who do they get that's older? And I was just going through actors in my brain, like, I don't, just like random actors, like, hmm, that'd be pretty cool, that'd be pretty cool. And then the crowd splits, and everyone goes, George Clooney? <laughs> <laughs> And at first I was like, I was like, oh, that's a good choice. And then my brain cut to, wait, (laughs) he was was already Batman. That was the two times, the two times my theater clapped was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Seen him because everyone's like, yeah, memes. And then they saw George Clooney where everyone was like, oh my God, what a great choice. And if he is the Batman for James Gunn's, like the older Batman version, I think it's a decent choice. I think not it's, it's it. a good choice. They're not they wouldn't that. do it. It would no give way. him a second chance, but... And I'm just a hot take. I don't think George Clooney was the problem in Batman and Robin. No. I think he did no, no, no. the best he was given with. I think he's an excellent Bruce Wayne. He played the movie the way he was meant to play that movie. Yeah. If he did any other kind of performance, he would have been at odds with the movie. Yeah. You know? How are you going to do a more, you're not going to play it like Michael Keaton did in that movie. Otherwise, you look mm-hmm. like you're the only one taking it seriously. So you, exactly. you play it up. You play the campy version. That's what's the script. That's the tone. You're just, you're just doing it. You kind of mm-hmm. end up like, I don't know, Tommy Lee Jones seemed on Batman Forever, where it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're in a different movie. I'm also one of those people that say Batman and Robin is so bad that it's good <laughs> to watch. Because yeah. you just don't yeah. take it seriously. You just enjoy the absolute campiness of it you're just like oh my god but that's because these were batman forever and batman and robin those are the movies i saw before the keaton ones me too so i grew up I, on those ones i first, didn't cause... go i didn't go into it being like oh this is from the same universe it's supposed to be like kind of dark and serious yeah Where those two i was like i just embraced the silliness of it yeah but it's they're not good movies but they're fun to watch <laughs> i i'm willing to defend batman forever and i definitely will Oh, for sure. At some point. I love Batman forever. Batman and Robin. Val Kilmer is so good. And it's a Val shame. Val Kilmer's he was, great. And it's a shame. I'm, I'm sure they would have gotten him to cameo in this too, if mm-hmm. his health allowed, but yeah. Well, as we know, that's a shame. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. But I think the reason I didn't expect George Clooney was because I just assumed he was never coming back to Batman. 
He spent because he thought he ruined the franchise. He's he said yeah. on multiple occasions. He spent the last twenty years apologizing for his role in that movie. Yeah, which is humble of him. Most actors just forget about it. And they don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. But he's he's made some light of it in the past, and he's mm-hmm. had a good sense of humor. So you know, I'm happy to see him back as Bruce Wayne. If this is how it'll help unstain his legacy in the Batman franchise a little bit or just in mm-hmm. DC in general. I think he'll be remembered more fondly as a team player. Oh, you came back as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne in a better movie. Glad to hear. Cause yeah. I mean, look, I don't know how this movie's going to be received, but it's not going to be considered as bad as Batman and Robin. It's not as infamous as Dude. that. So I think it's an all right movie. It's like a six out of 10 for me. I think it's, a, it's okay. I don't know. It's above average. It's above average. It's not I like think it, phenomenal. If this movie came out... The directing, the action, and the fight scenes save it. But yeah. by far. I think if this movie came out back in 2018 when it was supposed to come out, very mm-hmm. different story. Absolutely. Because back then... Maybe, maybe Henry Cavill would have been in it. How cool would it have been if Henry Cavill fought <laughs> Supergirl? That would have been really I cool. I feel like if he wasn't screwed over this past year, or maybe he had... I mean, he's pretty busy all the time. He would have been in this movie, but a part of me is also like, nah, he's got a pretty busy schedule with a lot of stuff, so maybe they try to, and then stuff happened, but who knows. Part of me wonders if he actually filmed a cameo for it that they just cut mm-hmm. at some point, because he probably would have been. I think that been... was rumored. Yeah, that was that's, rumored for that's a probably while. where I'm getting it out of, Yeah. But... Yeah, it's a shame about Henry. I was also kind of hoping for Michael Keaton to fight General Zod because that would have been a cool moment too. Like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. Batman fighting General Zod. I also thought it was cool. Just I'm a little bit satiated just by the fact that he he fought a I think non is his name. He fought the big Kryptonian. Yeah, the big one, which Mm -hmm. I just think is cool. Go back 30 years and be like, yeah, Michael Keaton fighting Kryptonians is Batman. Who would have thought? So good. And yeah, there's going to be some critics that are like, oh, Michael Keaton's like action scenes are so CGI, but it's like the best CGI in this movie. And those fight scenes are really well filmed. I love them. The, the Danny Elfman theme is played throughout the entire time. He's like yes. on screen most of the time. Yes. It's, it's phenomenal. It works very well. It's so weird. In non-Batman movies, they get the best Batman scenes of all time. <laughs> like in Batman v Superman, you have that one warehouse scene. The warehouse And scene, then here... Yeah. You have, I even think him on the, or him chasing the car is actually pretty cool uh, at the beginning, the yeah. Ben Affleck one, but all the Michael Keaton stuff is really well done. Yeah. He's a saving grace of this movie. Definitely. I, I like that he played his Bruce Wayne kind of like he played him 30 years ago. There's more of a tonal balance there. He's a little bit psychotic, a little bit offbeat. There's a definite melancholy to him, but he's also mm-hmm. kind of well-adjusted in a way. He's not full-on nuts creature of the night yeah. brooding all the time he's just he feels like yeah let's get nuts he feels like a real guy in a way he just he just feels a little more grounded than someone like mm-hmm. ben affleck's portrayal which is a lot more batman is at his, at his extremes it feels more like the frank miller dark knight they were going for mm-hmm. i'm not a huge fan of frank miller's version of batman on a I mean, his stories are good, but the character work is not my favorite version. I'm Michael the Ke- goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he makes Batman seem like more of a fascist psycho, which is a valid interpretation. Uh, but yeah, I like Michael Keaton's kind of take on it. His Bruce Wayne feels not warm and approachable, but like you can, you know, talk to this guy mm-hmm. over spaghetti and it just feels okay. It yeah, I like their weird. I liked um their version of time travel and how it is different from the MCU where it goes forward and back. It goes forward and backwards, but also there's these inevitable meeting points between realities that are like every their Bat- version of canon events or something like that. Every Batman's got an Alfred in every mm-hmm. universe. I like that. I thought it was really well explained and unique. Yep. No matter where you go in the multiverse, every one of these characters has yeah. certain things that happen to them. I guess another gripe I kind of have with this movie a little bit is I don't know for certain if the new reality Flash ends up in right now is the one that's going to be in the James Gunn universe. It's probably not. Probably isn't. And if it is, it's not explained that well. (laughs) It's not really shown that well. Like, what's going to happen with Aquaman? What's going to happen with Blue Beetle? What I've heard about Blue Beetle... And I don't think this is a quote from James Gunn, but he was on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast recently talking about his direction for the new DC movies. And I believe he paraphrasing here, he said that Superman Legacy is the first DC movie under his umbrella, but Blue Beetle will be the first character to carry over. So it's the last movie of the old franchise, but it sounds like they're keeping that version of the character. Mm -hmm. James Gunn appears to want to keep him. So, that one will probably still be relevant. This, I don't know. I think they just let them kind of do a Zack Snyder's Justice League sort of thing where they just, this was the movie they were going with. They just let them release that. It might yeah. matter. Somehow I doubt they're gonna, they're going to keep themselves hitched to Ezra Miller going forward. We'll see. We'll find out. This might just be an ending for for this version of the flash and for this DC universe. I mean, Aquaman will be the last one, like I said, but Mm -hmm. I can see them keeping Momoa and Gal Gadot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Probably Margot Robbie too, if they can help it. Yeah. She's a powerhouse. It's uh, yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting what happens with James Gunn's universe and even how much that's delayed because of the writer's strike. So who knows about that? But yeah, because I think what he, he said, the first movie is not scheduled till 2025. Well, when mm. he talked about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be really interesting. And I've heard because <laughs> I listened to this other podcast that talks about it where they said <laughs> some reviewers who have seen early versions of Aquaman 2 say it's the worst DC movie they've ever seen. And Shut their up. reaction in mine is like, really? <laughs> have you not <laughs> seen like the past 10 years of some of the shit, like some shit movies? Not all of them, but there's been there's probably worse than Aquaman too. I don't know. I'm I'm still in the minority of liking most of the DC movies that came out the last ten years. I, I thought yeah. a lot of them were underrated, and a lot of them, even the bad ones, weren't as bad as Marvel's worst. Say what you will about I don't know what's the last one that came out. People didn't like Shazam too. Mm-hmm. At least it's trying. It's not Quantumania. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's a subpar Shazam movie. It's a subpar superhero movie, but at least they're still trying to do something. A story. <laughs> when uh, these bad DC movies, I give some slack because 
Marvel feels like movies made by committee nowadays. The CGI is awful. The character work and storytelling, like She-Hulk aptly joke, feels like it's written by AI just to mm-hmm. be the largest crowd pleasers possible. They just feel like movies churned out on an assembly line. DC movies feel like traditional bad movies when they don't hit. They feel like the visions of people who were trying legitimately to make something and it just didn't quite work. Which, mm-hmm. a failure might be considered a failure, but I respect one kind more than the other. So that's why I've always got a, a soft spot for bad DC movies, because I haven't felt any are made by committee yet. They've all right. taken chances in their own way. So, uh, let's see what else. I think we barely talked about Supergirl because she's barely in this movie. <laughs> I thought yeah, Sasha Kale did a good job as this version yeah. of the character. If she were to come back, she'd probably be a different kind of Supergirl because this mm-hmm. is Supergirl with a very dark origin story. She got locked up for a very long time and killed a whole bunch of guys as soon as she got the power to do so. Fought against General Zod. Mm-hmm. Had a, yeah. I thought her fight scenes with Zod were pretty good. Kind of a flashback to uh, Man of Steel. And it is kind of, I like how they subtly but also say like the only person to have stopped Zod would have been um, Clark Kent. Yeah. Like that version. I kind of like that. But also... Um, and I think I can tell you why. And though. there's some haters, uh, some haters are like, Oh, I wish, I wish Supergirl was blonde. It's like, this is not the definitive version. Relax. Like, <laughs> this is you their pro- own version. They threw in the <laughs> Helen Slater version for you. Yeah. Relax. And she did, I think she did a great job. I like her suit. Yeah, it's a great I looking suit. I thought it was really well. The costume, design, the costume designers in this movie did a great job. Mm-hmm. I love the Supergirl suit, the Michael Keaton Batman suit's one of my favorite. Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, they look great too. I even like the Flashes, both of their suits. Like I was saying earlier, I thought the set design was great too. Loved Wayne Manor. Yeah. That one in particular was great. Barry's apartment mm-hmm. looked pretty good too. The, uh, the crime scene lab. Just the... Just the sets in this movie in general, like even the grocery store, they all felt lived in and practical for the most part. Not like they just got put up on a green screen for every (laughs) single shot. It felt like some carowin in the the design of this movie, which like you were saying earlier, it's a a well-directed movie. I think the director's name is Andy Machete. Yeah, Andy Machete. Andy Machete. Yeah, he did a really good job. He had a cameo near the end, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Or somewhere, he was like the guy who like uh, who Barry stole a hot dog from at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, he That's usually funny. cameos in his movies. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I thought that was... It was really well made in many ways. It's got mm-hmm. a lot of problems with it. Not a lot of the jokes were laugh out loud funny to me. Yeah. It was, go- it was going for a light tone. And I-, I appreciated the jokes, but I didn't laugh at them, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cute. Intellectually, that's funny, but it doesn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. It was just weird. A lot of the times when Barry interacted with people just as Barry, it looked like he was about to have a mental breakdown. And yeah. I don't know if that's because of Ezra Miller's betrayal or that's just who they are as a person. <laughs> Literally having a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's kind of threw me off a little bit. But other than that, you know, I thought they were fine. 
doing a dual role is very difficult to do. But I think they pulled it off. Well I think re- I think I think Miller pulled it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. They um can't believe they killed Austin twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make yeah, him a suicide was... bomber and then him just getting absolutely bitch slapped by a Kryptonian. The first time I'm like, really? That's how he's going out? Mm. Oh, and then he gets an actual scene. <laughs> and then he gets to fight a Kryptonian one-on-one, beat him. Like, there we go. The and I wonder if they were going to drag Batman. it out. I really wondered if they were gonna, we were going to get like four or five death scenes of both Supergirl and Batman, but they're like, no, we're only going to do two. <laughs> So also, I like, okay. I think this is the first time Batman's ever died on screen. That's a first. Live action, yeah. How many Batman have there been? He's never died. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah. got the death. We got the death of Superman, but we haven't gotten a Batman death yet. Do you count the death of the franchise from Batman and Robin? <laughs> that was um... <laughs> George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. No, that was more like that was more like a Dark Knight Rises kind of death where it went down right. in flames, but it, it made everyone think it was dead for a while. Yeah. Don't worry, he's in a cafe. <laughs> yeah. He's working on something. Uh the more and more I think about that movie where it's like, do you want to like change your hair or something? Like you're one of the yeah, You're one of like twenty billionaire around. people. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Back in the day where social media wasn't that huge, I guess. <laughs> 2012. Oh, you want to hear? Time. You want to? You want to feel old? 18 years ago, Batman Begins came out. Oh my lord! I know. That's my childhood. <laughs> I know. First Batman movie. What a scene in theaters. I don't oh, remember man. if I did though. I don't think I did either. I saw Dark Knight in theaters. Yeah, I did that. I remember putting in the DVD and be like, "Oh, Batman Begins. This is gonna be okay." And then watching it as a kid, being like, "It's phenomenal." <laughs> This is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I still think time, even I mean. at the time, I still think I was more enamored by the old movies because they had more visual mm-hmm. flair to them. Tim Burton's gothic drenched Gotham and Joel Schumacher's neon style. They were just more visually appealing to me as a kid. Or, you know, right. the Mask of the Phantasm, which is the actual best Batman movie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Christian Bale just knocked it out of the park. So, hundred percent. So, I don't know. I, there's a few more things I could say, but that's that's most of them. Yeah, I mean, a okay movie. I think it's worth a watch. Worth a I watch. Don't think is what it, I'd rank it as well. Yeah, I don't think it lived up to the hype that most people put it on, or the potential of it being the multiverse changer. It would have been that, when it originally okay. was supposed to come out. Five years ago, it would have come out around the time of Spider-Verse. There was no Multiverse of Madness. There was no, well, no Spider-Verse. There was no, what else has done Multiverse stuff lately. I feel like everything's doing Uh, Multiverse lately. Yeah, freaking Doctor Strange. Yeah, why am I forgetting stuff? I feel Loki, whatever. I feel like everything's doing Multiverse lately. But when Mm -hmm. this movie came out, it was still fresh. Like Michael Keaton's Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman in the same movie that was originally supposed to come out before No Way Home. This was supposed this Wild. was going to beat them to the punch. They made all these announcements before No Way Home even came out. They just made the movie yep. took them so long to do it. They got beat to the punch at every corner. So everything mm-hmm. this movie would have done really well. It just kind of 
yeah, we've seen this before, which I feel like lessens the impact of the movie. I feel like that makes it in my mind. It's still, it may be a little bit better of a movie that I'm giving it credit for right now. I'm just feeling underwhelmed because it's not as refreshing to me as it would have been. I'm just having a hard time judging it on its own merits because I'm not as surprised as I wanted to be. But I, I think I, been. I feel the same that I did coming out of Multiverse of Madness, where I was like, it's an okay movie. It just didn't live up to its potential. I liked it, mo- I liked it a lot more than Multiverse of Madness. And I think I'm one of the minorities review. I'm one of the minority reviewers there who did not like Multiverse of Madness. Most people mm-hmm. I know watched that movie and thought like you did. It's just all right. I actually better on a rewatch. <laughs> I actively didn't like it, and I'm in the minority there. So this, I think, is a lot better than Multiverse of Madness, if only because the main character actually gets an arc. Sorry, Doctor yeah, Strange for sure. That, that was not a Doctor Strange story. Yeah. He does nothing of value in that movie. But. I can't believe Marvel wasted Rachel McAdams twice. <laughs> That's a big How scene, dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's a phenomenal actress. Fantastic. You wasted her. Just jump to DC. <laughs> James Gunn should steal her. They should. She should. Well, I don't know what she'll anyway, do. But. They all should. <laughs> Ooh. <gasps> Wait, hold Any on. Rachel McAdams castings? Yeah. I don't know why it popped into my head, but she could do like a good Black Canary. You know like what? Team I her do, up with like a. I do, I do see her being a good Laurel Lance, actually. Yeah. Team up with like a cocky Arrow 2. Yeah. Oh, they already have a Black Canary. Unless James Gunn's going to fire oh, they her. They do. Hmm. She was in the Birds of Prey movie, and she was, she was good. Oh, uh, gotcha. Liked Dang. her. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Ooh, wait, Cheetah? Okay. No, she's her. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's uh, Kristen Wiig. I know. Um, oh, you just... I was going to say Supergirl, but she's probably not even, she's probably too old. Not to say that Rachel Williams is old, but make she's her a little bit younger. Make her power girl, then. Right, yeah. <laughs> Who's That's just true. old, older Kara, basically. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. It's like just you suddenly ships, forget. <laughs> yeah, it's like you suddenly forget every DC character ever created. I know. I'm gonna think about it in like two minutes. They're not gonna do a Watchmen. I just looked at my book of or my stacks of books, and the first thing that popped up was Watchmen. Like they're not gonna do that. No. Um. Maybe an older version. She could do an Oracle. Like an older I version. Her, I could see her being an older Barbara Gordon. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, she's talking shit that. to whoever Robin is. <laughs> I could yeah, see that. She's got that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. It'd be cool to see her in a... It would have been cool to see the Batgirl movie. Anyway. With Michael <sighs> Keaton in it as well. Never gonna Was he supposed though. to be in that movie? Yes, he was. <laughs> Oh my god. He was supposed to be one of the main people, I think. The Brandon Fraser comeback story and they just cancel it for taxes. Oh, that's god where Warner, Warner Bros. is at right now. They're broke. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> and I think Disney just fired 75% of their staff, or animation staff too, or is it Pixar? I don't know if that was for a tax thing as well. I did hear they had some pretty big layoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the Flash movie. I think we're 
sort it's of all right. dragging for out watch. the ending now. Yeah, worth a watch. I won't say, I, I'm, I will definitely say I was going into this thinking like you could wait for streaming, and then I came out saying, no, it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch in theaters. Just for the action it's, alone. It's a, good, it's a good spectacle movie. Yeah. It's got a great, great story to it. It's, if you can get over how terrible a person Ezra Miller is, then, yeah. It's like I said up it. top, you can, you can hate Ezra Miller all you want, but a lot of other people worked on this movie. Good people, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. So just because yeah. Ezra Miller is the face exactly. of it doesn't mean the movie's worth boycotting. Mm-hmm. You, you may be... I mean, people, people still go to church to go see a movie. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. That's, I'm probably cutting that out. <laughs> what? I can't quote... Uh, oh, you just do a long bleep. That's just do a long worse. bleep of what I said. That is so much worse. Uh, you I know, can do a backup I'm, joke. No, anyway. <laughs> oh, brother. Cut to end. Cut to the end. Cut to the end. All right. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. And then you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thought Play Media. As long as I cut that joke out, because otherwise, uh, nobody will want to see it. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. Ryan knows what he did. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. I'm cutting that joke out. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe, where we discuss, <coughs> where we discuss the first four Indiana Jones films in advance of Dial of Destiny. Till next time. See ya. Uh.